Welcome to With Relish on the Headstuff Podcast Network. If this is your first time listening in, welcome to the show. We are a fortnightly food podcast focusing on all things that are great in the Irish food industry. I'm Harry Colley. And I'm Aoife Allen. So today we are looking at a subject that I'm really feeling the effects of right now at the moment. You are, we are talking about up. coffee. Yeah, you are caffeinated. And I am to the caffeinated brim. to the hilt. Yeah. It's kind of terrifying. So yeah, coffee, which we all consume loads of. And it's very much ingrained in our lives, working at a cafe restaurant. But um, yeah, we're going to look at lots of different aspects of it. Harry, what was your first experience of coffee as a consumer? Now, <laughs> now you know the answer to this because I just told you it, but it's like it's but really we'll pretend bad. That we'll pretend happen. that didn't happen. Yeah. So I, I've been drank, drank, I've been drinking, drinking. I've been drinking. <laughs> I've been drinking tea my whole life and grew up drinking a lot of tea. And my, I remember my dad would never let me have sugar in it. And there was kind of loads of rules that surrounded it. And I never liked coffee. And I had my first experience of drinking coffee was when I was 16. And I was um, doing my transitioning work experience in London for my aunt's PR company. Oh, I know. <laughs> such a, like, s- what was wrong with packing shelves and tons? nothing wrong with it just I got the opportunity just to go and work right in public Harry. affairs yeah <laughs> um, and uh, and so I you know I was 15 and I had just turned 16 when I went over there and I was staying with my aunt and uh, she was living in Notting Hill and uh, I was getting the tube every morning like five stops to get to St. Paul's and so as a 15 slash 16 year old I'd go out on like a cold November morning and I'd go into Starbucks which is what I knew of coffee and like we didn't have Starbucks in Ireland at that stage so I thought it seemed extraordinarily exotic and so went in and I would get the only thing that I knew and that was a Frappuccino, <laughs> which is like an ice cold dessert pudding, exactly. <laughs> and so I would get, I would go in every morning. I get like a chocolate dessert, and I'd walk <laughs> around in the ice cold of London in winter and think that I was a sophisticated grown up. So that was amazing. my first experience of coffee, Daddy. Um, my first experience of coffee. My first real experience of coffee, as in drinking coffee regularly, came after the age of 30. I managed to dodge it up until then. Somehow, all the other vices, I was all over them, like smoked cigarettes, drank loads of booze, but somehow managed to avoid getting stuck into coffee and developing a caffeine habit until I was 30. So I think... Um, what was it that set you off? I was living in Nicaragua mm-hmm. and I was going to lots of meetings. Um, I was kind of working, I was doing some translation work, I was doing a little bit of writing, I was doing lots of different things and I would turn up to meetings with my translator because my Spanish was absolutely crap and somebody would offer me coffee and the only way I knew how to be nice yeah. in return would be to say yes because I'd fuck all else to offer yeah, anybody yeah, yeah, yeah. because my Spanish was so bad. So it was almost like I have to do this. So I started sipping it and yeah, Nicaraguan coffee is really delicious. So yeah. I kind of was it just that you didn't like it, or was it that you didn't like it, or you just never got in the habit? Um, I had consumed quite a bit of, uh, you know, kind of an Arabic preparation of coffee a few years before when I was living in the Middle East, and it used to make me absolutely bananas because yeah. it's so strong. So I think that's like around twenty six like or twenty seven. Cardamom and stuff. Yeah, and loads of sugar as well. So I think the combination of uh, caffeine and sugar used to set me off on a really dark path. I'd just be really jittery and jumpy. Whereas nice, good filter coffee in Nika was lovely. Um, And then I developed an out habit. I've never been affected by caffeine in that way. Yeah. Like I could have I could have a coffee before I go to bed and not yeah. be grand. No, I'm pretty sensitive to it. Yeah. Today in particular. But now, because I haven't eaten anything. I've but got now, an empty stomach full of coffee. But now I know not necessarily that I uh, that I feel the effects of caffeine, but certainly mm. I feel when it's not there. Yeah. Which is something quite significant, I suppose, is that in the mornings, um and it's more I think to do with routine, but like you know, I can wake up in the mornings when I'm a day off work and not feel immediately like I need a cup of coffee. Yeah. However, going to work in the morning, I am 
jonesing for that first cup. Yeah, and then yeah. I feel We're like I can get the rest of the day. staring at the barista, aren't we? Just yeah, it's like, when are you getting the coffee ready? Slobbering for <laughs> horrible. I mean, if, it is terrible, but it is yeah. that kind of like withdrawal symptom where there's something yeah. that's going on there where, whereby I feel like I can't get the rest of my day done without having this first one. Getting jump started. Exactly. Yeah. I feel exactly the same. Mm. And actually, I've noticed I've slept late a few times recently, which is quite unusual for me. And I wake up with a headache if I sleep past 11 because I don't got no caffeine. In Go system. away. Yeah, I That's wake up with a, just a headache between my eyes. My first experience of like good quality coffee, mm. real deal. Yeah. Uh, was working in the Fumbly, actually, before, okay. which is where I work now. Um, and... I've been there for about a year and nine months and I, I always knew that there was a world mm. beyond what I knew of it but but it wasn't part of my repertoire yet of things that I knew about yeah. food and drink uh, and so showing up at a place that was um, doing speciality coffee working with a barista who was there at the time her name is Rochelle Wynn who unfortunately died last year yeah. in April yeah, we lost Rochelle to cancer and we still miss her very much. But yeah, she was also my first real introduction into the world of coffee, the big coffee story. Yeah, um, that we're she to was such a, bit a more now. coffee dork. Yeah. Do you know that the, I realised that there was so much more to it. I remember I'd kind of, I would, might ask her something in passing about what she was doing at that moment and then she'd kind of stop you for doing what you're doing and if I was like making eggs or if I was on pressure mm. pressuring to do something else she'd like stop you and be like you asked me this question so I'm going to tell you exactly mm. what I'm doing and I'd be like okay alright yeah yeah. and you'd get sucked into it and yeah. so I think that was when I found out there was so much more to coffee than just your bean to cup machine um, or when I, I knew that there was more but that was when I found out more about the details and, and it became more interesting I think because we've had really nice people around us at work including Rochelle starting with Rochelle and, and more people since who are really happy to kind of inform you and educate you about it um, I remember my first real introduction into that was uh, I was hanging back after work to work on some food special I was working on and Rochelle was hanging back to rehearse her performance for I think the Barista Championships that year the national one I think and she was going through this script that she had prepared about a Salvadoran grower whose name escapes me now but I remember it so well she had kind of his whole professional story down to a T she was talking through the different flavour notes and tones of the particular beans that he grew and where his coffee was going to as a single origin coffee and yeah she'd prepared this thing that seemed to me like a piece of theatre it was just I so had, refined I had that same experience yeah. with her when she was preparing for the European Brewers Cup which she went on to win that mm. year and just to explain the Brewers Cup is doing Brewers Cup is filtered filter. coffee, right and then yeah. the Barista Championships is um, espresso based espresso based so and then like including artwork on top or is that a separate well, I don't stream know. Okay. Well, I don't know we'll have to check we'll in have to with, check with Niall a yeah. other win exactly Niall win. Yeah. no relation so the Brewers Cup with the, the one that she was preparing for that, uh, that I saw she was brewing three uh, of the same coffees simultaneously. She had like 12 minutes in order to do the thing and in that time had music playing in the background and would talk you through through a, we- a pre-prepared script that was spoken very naturally. Um, and it was the most bizarre yeah. experience in the world. To see, to, you know, it opened up this you know, insane world of, of stuff that I didn't know. Competitive coffee. Competitive coffee. It's that's bananas. the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it's that deadly. Is, that's bananas. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I think Rochelle also asked me that evening to check out some of the, she'd prepared some food to go along with some of the tastings. Um, and one of them was an apple sorbet. And I was just like, this is fascinating. How is an apple sorbet a good match for coffee? But it was. Yeah. And it was delicious. Even like highlighting all that stuff that's in there that we don't know all about. All these notes that we just yeah. totally missed because we're choking it down going, oh, I'm so asleep this morning. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we um, that was both of our insight then, I suppose, into this whole world of competitive coffee. But to tell us a bit more about it, we're going to be speaking to Niall Wynn, 
who is Ireland's current barista champion. And he's also the owner-proprietor of Proper Ordy Coffee in Smithfield, which has opened, you know, opened about a year and a half ago, I think, about that. Um, and he's just this fabulously interesting character who is uh, very much in the world of competitive coffee and then is running a fabulous l- yeah. uh, local coffee shop at the same time. And Niall, I think, is probably very well cut out to the competitive coffee thing because he competed to enter the Olympics at one point. So he's obviously a very competitive man. And in coffee making? over into... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or in, in the swimming. swimming. Yeah. And he's obviously carried that competitive streak over to coffee now, which is really interesting. Then we're going to chat to lovely Torin from Two Boys Brew. Torin Coughlin, yeah. Torin Coughlin from Two Boys Brew in Fibsborough, who has been through a bit of a rough time with Two Boys Brew, but also had a fantastic first year. Yes. So we're going to hear a bit more about that. And before we get into this week's episode, we just wanted to... Let you know about an exciting event that's coming up on the 26th of September. It's a debate in collaboration with the Fumbly Cafe, where Harry and I both work and the Dublin Podcast Festival, which is being hosted by Headstuff. It's going to be a debate about Irish food culture, whether Irish food culture is currently in its infancy and just getting off the ground, or if it's a millennia-old tradition that we just don't really pay that much attention to or acknowledge. And we've got we some should. great people coming on as well. We've got JP McMahon, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and, um, and who obviously sparked the idea for this debate, because he was so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, told us about this book that he's writing at the moment, which is going to be a comprehensive look at what it is to know Irish cuisine. And then we also have... CIT lecturer Martin McAnumra who wrote the first food thesis in Ireland and he wrote about Dublin restaurant culture from 1900 until 2000 and has this incredible repertoire of knowledge on Irish food yeah, as well as uh, so there's our there's our event which is on the 26th and then as well with the um, Headstuff Podcast Festival you can see people like S-Town My Dad Wrote a Porno I know that Criminal are there as yeah. well it's uh, an amazing lineup. Actually. I like it's so exciting to be the, part of it. For the first year of it, they've got like the big swingers. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's they've great. got magic. Yeah. If anybody wants to get tickets for any of these events, just search for the Dublin Podcast Festival, and for the Fumbly event, um, go to the Fumbly website. So now in Earth Relish, we have got Niall Wynn, who is the barista owner of Proper Order uh, Coffee Co. In, is it Coffee Co.? No. Yeah, Coffee Co. Yeah, that's the, the full name. Most Great. people just Good. call it Proper Order now. Grand. So. Well, Proper Order in Smithfield, right beside the Stormzy Mural. So we're not in the studio today. Uh, we are actually in the Fumbly Stables at the moment. I'm about to cook a dinner for 80 people or so, so we're just getting... We're just squeezing in a quick chat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Niall, Niall, thank you so much for coming. Yeah. It's really yeah. good to 80 people, yeah. Um, Niall is also the 2017 Irish Barista Champion. Niall, thanks a million for coming on and welcome to With Relish. Yeah, the mention there of the championship is what's really interesting to me, I think. I don't think this is a world that necessarily all of our listeners would know much about. I didn't know anything about competitive coffee at all until I started working in the company. I, I think a lot of people don't know about that either, so could you enlighten no. us at all? It is, it's a, it's a kind of a, an anarch world, you know? Yeah. There's, there's definitely the train spotters standing up on a hill shouting down at barista competitors going, you know, like, loser! <laughs> 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 but it, it is, it's very, very cool, and when you get into the industry, you do learn more about it. Like, over the, over the course of the last few years, the barista com- competitions have become kind of way more accessible, and, you know, they're live-streamed now to over probably over 80 countries and there's uh, 60 countries, actually 62 countries competing this year, if I'm not wrong. Um, so, you know, it's gone from kind of 40 people competing to, to over 60 now. And it's just been a huge growth in our industry. Um, and with that has kind of come rule changes to, to try and make it more accessible. So, you know, the guy with the most money isn't always winning and stuff like that. Because it, it got to a stage a few years ago where, you know, 
you went and you spent a lot of money on a really expensive routine mm. and, and that was what impressed um, but the rules some rules have been brought in now to try and mitigate against that um, so you know there's no points for how fancy your setup is you know okay. if you're wearing a, a silk shirt that doesn't really matter as long as you're just neat and that always matters yeah. <laughs> yeah. Silk, shirt. Yeah. silk shirt you lose yeah. no, no, 11 out of 10 for the silk shirt so they're, they're definitely making efforts to move the competition more towards the coffee quality side of things um, so over the last couple of years we've seen some really really outstanding coffees win and the goal of each barista competitor uh, should be to bring the most outstanding coffee they can um, you know there is a downside to that and you know when you start to buy outstanding coffee it, it does inevitably become expensive yeah um but there are always ways to to moderate the expense of an overall routine you know if you want to focus on having a really great coffee and um, the emphasis should be on that and and not the the elaborate setup that goes into serving it okay so when you say routine like I kind of have a like dog shows or beauty pageants or something in mind. Can you like just walk me through? Yeah. Sorry, no, I didn't have that. <laughs> no. What I mean no. is like it's it's such a performancing, and you actually mentioned before we started recording that you'd been to see an acting coach because yeah. it's a big part of you training for competing, and like this is something that just loads of people don't know. So tell me yeah. about a routine, like so give guess, an example. Yeah, I guess the the basis of a routine is a fifteen minute presentation. Okay. Um, during that 15 minutes, you have to serve a course of espressos, a course of milk drinks, and then a course of designer drinks uh, to a panel of four judges uh, around you. There are also either one or two technical judges and then a head judge who oversees everything, make sure everything's going well. And, you know, if there's any issues, they're the one you kind of look to and say, you know, can, okay. we, can we get this resolved? Um, so, you know, there's 12 drinks in 15 minutes, which isn't too bad in itself. So most people will kind of go, oh, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, but the whole time you're serving these drinks, uh, you have to do a presentation. So I'll give you an example. In the Irish Barista Championships, I decided to focus on a coffee from a cooperative in Rwanda. And the initiative behind that cooperative was to empower females uh, who had lost their significant others in the genocide. Oh, wow, um, okay. So there was one lady in kind of at the head of this cooperative, uh, Epifanry, and she took members of our local community who had been affected by the genocide and said, no, we're not going to sell our land. You know, I'm going to send you to business school and you're going to head up the business side of the cooperative. Nice. Um, you know, okay, you over there, you're going to, you know, head up the horticultural side. So you're going to go to horticultural school. And being able to tell a story like that during a 15-minute routine, you almost get distracted and forget about making yeah, the coffee. Yeah, it's so powerful, <laughs> you know. You know yeah. How would you not just be focusing on that? It, okay. it, is, it is great. Um, I think the know. context of these things as well, like I find that when, when serving food, if, if there's a story behind oh, yeah. something, if you, yeah. if you know where it comes from, it kind of, it's, yeah. you're, you're way more engaged with it. Oh, you care so much more. You want to do it justice. Yeah, you know, really when you feel like there's coffee. an important historical yeah. or social context yeah. what you're doing, you want to make, you know, you want to yeah. give it the best service you can, really. So, so you mentioned the acting lessons. Where that comes in is kind of, being able to pace a routine. Mm. So it, like, it would be really easy to get up on stage, make 12 drinks as fast as you can, yeah. really technically well, and then just cram as much speaking as you can into the last five minutes. Um, but that's not very entertaining, mm. and it becomes really, really labor-intensive if you're a judge. So the judges have score sheets, and they sit there, and they try not to miss a single word you say or right. a single tasting yeah. note in your drink. Um, so see if judging. you're wearing a silk shirt or not yeah I know yeah. believe it or not there's points for having napkins on the tables <laughs> okay. yeah so it's, it's, it's pretty intense and the easier you or the better you can communicate the easier the judge's job is so yeah. I feel the communication aspect of things because it's something that a lot of baristas will overlook 
Um, at the level, you know, I, to be honest, I want to be in the top six in the world this year. You know, I'm going to go and do my best. If I get top six, that's an absolute bonus. Where and when is this competition? This competition is in Seoul in Korea in November. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So soon? Yeah. It's going to be pretty soon. Yes. But it's when you get down to the top six, everybody in that category can make really, really awesome coffee. And they've all brought some of the best coffee in the world. So at that stage, I think it's about, you know, who has that edge. And for me, not necessarily being the best public speaker, uh, the I wish go away with that. You're doing great. <laughs> I think it's fabulous. <laughs> but the the acting lessons really help with that. So they, they kind of teach you to pace, teach you to enunciate. Yeah. And when you're traveling abroad, like you know, probably seventy or eighty percent of my journey panel is not going to have English as their first language. Mm-hmm. So me with you know, and not Irish a, English. A regular, a regular old Dublin accent. Yeah, not high Vernon English. Yeah, yeah. not going to be very well understand yeah. if yeah. I get on stage and go, judges, is, what's the crack? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's that's kind of where Points that end of things goes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Always. Yeah. <laughs> what did it do when you won? When you won the competition in Ireland, what did that do for the rest of your life, for the rest of your career? Um, it's it's definitely like a pat on the back. Yeah. You know, okay. it w- the the coffee I served on stage was was a coffee we had in the shop at the time. Um, it was such a lovely, lovely coffee, and it was great to be able to delve more into that coffee. Mm. And obviously, when you know. You go into work the next day, you look a bit hungover, and people say, oh, you're looking a bit rough today. You point at the trophy, and they say, oh, congrats, you know, and that kind of, that kind of opens up yeah. a dialogue in that regard. So it, it definitely has made our regulars way, way more aware of the type of coffee we do, the story behind a lot of the coffees, um, and they're starting to realize more and more often now that, you know, it's not just regular old black stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, which, is, which is amazing. Like, that's... That's what we do, you know. If we don't have a meaningful dialogue or you yeah. know, a heart to heart with everybody that comes in, that's fine. You know, we open at seven a.m. Yeah. It's Just not always the to most. To remind everybody, this is proper order in Smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get it up. yeah, it's it's like seven a.m. is not always the most sociable time in the morning. So I totally get it, but you know, sometimes one of us will stand at the end of the bar with a customer and just chat away about coffee for, oh, I don't know. I probably stood there for like thirty minutes chatting to someone before. While the rest of the lads are in the shit, yeah. <laughs> you know, sweat, sweating bullets and trying to make coffee, and I'm there. Yeah, so let's, yeah. this coffee's amazing over here. Yeah. So it's good to be the it's, boss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, they're starting to get on my case about it now. So, okay. um, but like, it, it's but it's you're amazing. Even important educational role in all of this. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm adding value without adding yeah. cost. <laughs> so good at this. You said at the start you kind of mentioned anoraks. It's obviously a really nerdy world in a way. Like people are obsessed with the product and getting the best out of the product and doing it right yeah. and doing it justice. What is it that drew you to coffee? Like I know that you've got a science background. So yes. There's obviously like a very kind of like smart brain, you know, at work here. What uh, was it that know. drew you into this world, <laughs> though? You know what I mean? Um, like so from, I, was it were you a physics teacher or a chemistry I, teacher? Yeah, I, I went really, really briefly teaching, mm. uh, and I taught the sciences. Yeah. Okay. I, didn't get on so well with that. I think I lasted less than a year before I decided that that just wasn't for me. Um, but I did check my bank balance at the end of the year and I realized that I had spent about five grand on coffee that year. Mm. So I said, mm, that's just, this, is, this is definitely something that, uh, something that interests me. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of pestered a couple of people for jobs and then got a job in a shop in town called Coffee Angel. Oh, yeah. That now has three or four shops around mm-hmm. town. And it was kind of from there that I realized, okay, there's a real... You know, there's a real niche for applying science to coffee okay. and trying to get that, you know, trying to stand out by half a percent. Because at the end of the day, like that, that half a percent does make a little bit of a difference. Yeah. Um, you know, people might not know what it is, but, you know, they come in, they go, that 
you know, people aren't going to come in and go, that coffee's half a percent lovelier than yeah. Yeah. anywhere yeah, yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. They're, they're kind of going, there's something a little bit more special, special about yeah. that. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it doesn't cost us a whole lot more money to do. And, you know, it costs us a little bit of extra time to do, but it's just worth doing. Yeah. When, when you're as nerdy, when you get shouted at by yeah. train spotters about being yeah. a loser, you know, yeah. that's, that, <laughs> that's your market. So. so tell us about your business plans. You've got proper order. Are there plans to expand? Are you happy with working on what you have at the moment, competing, etc.? Like you're pretty busy. So. Definitely, yeah. The, the, the shop itself is pretty busy. Um, although we are looking at a, a, a second shop for next year. Okay. Um, it will be totally different to proper order as it is. Um, really average coffee, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it's just shit. It's like 3% worse yeah, than yeah, yeah. So <laughs> We're going to go for that extra point one. No, um, so proper order as it is now, it's like a fika space. So the whole Scandinavian thing about like taking five minutes to grab a coffee and a little sweet treat. Fika, um, like F-I-K-A. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like this, it's this lovely, lovely Swedish concept. You know, it's like the Danish higge. Just yeah. giving yourself like that little moment of mm. being nice to yourself. Just on the Self topic love, of like, like yeah, or on the topic of nice Nordic terms for others, one is logom. What's logom? It's like the exact amount of something. Ah, stop it. Yeah, that's yeah. Logom. That's yeah. Yeah. I'm going to use that every yeah. day. When yeah. <laughs> I finish my chipper this evening. Logom. Yeah, so the, the second one we're looking at being a step into the unknown for us. Um, it's going to be a full kitchen, you know, uh, brunch on the weekends, really, really nice food during the week. And who knows, maybe even beer and wine. Oh, um, okay. Kind of like expanding in all directions. Yeah. Um, so it's good. I think like, not to be arrogant, but we've done the coffee thing and we do that really, really well. It's now getting to a stage where, you know, I, I want to bring other people on board, you know, bring more people to the company and, you know, start expanding in different directions and being able to offer people different ways to go. So someone might start off as a barista or as front of house, you know, and they might end up wanting to roast coffee. You know, so in a couple of years' time, my plan is to be roasting coffee for a proper order. When you roast coffee, you have to source coffee. So there will be someone traveling the world, doing a Phileas Fogg job on it, you know, right. heading I'll off to farms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I will be that person for you. So, yeah, yeah, no. Got that first? You can do Guatemala and I will do Indonesia. Uh, no, swap. I've already been. Oh, I don't sorry. buy Indonesian coffee. Sorry, oh, okay, sorry. sorry yeah, right. You're out of a job already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. Um, but that's the goal, you know, the goal is to expand um, in as many different directions as we can while still maintaining the, the drive behind it of just, yeah. you know, having that extra half a percent. That's the challenge, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and it, it's tough. I mean, the more you do, like, the more you do, it is going to be harder and harder and harder. But the main thing that has kept us where we are is the people that we've brought on board. Okay. Um, people is the hardest part of what we do. And, you know, you know yourselves working in a kitchen. Um, if you don't have the right group of people on board, it's... It's re- it can almost go into a downward spiral. Yeah, you, know? you need good vibes. Yeah, good vibes. Whatever creates only. that. Like yeah, you just yeah. really need it. I like, should yeah. always be the cranky one. Camaraderie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's my goal. <laughs> my goal is to always be the cranky one. So I'm Everyone else is happy. Oh, yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, Nara, thanks so much for coming on with us. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. the very best of luck with doing your new endeavours. It sounds absolutely class. And, sure. and in November in Seoul. We oh, can't yeah. wait to see pictures yeah, of you yeah, live streamed yeah. in a silk shirt. Purple, maybe? Purple. Yeah. Lilac. Yeah. More of a matte lilac. Okay, perfect. Yeah, you'll kill it. Um, yeah, best of luck, and yeah. we'll report back on how you get on. Hopefully, oh, we'll be reporting back on a very serious basis. Fingers crossed. Thanks for being on. Cheers. The first ever Dublin Podcast Festival is happening this September 19th to the 30th. Brian Reed from S Town, My Dad Wrote a Porno, Scroobius Pips, Distraction Pieces, Criminal, The Memory Palace, and Welcome to Night Vale are all coming to town. 
Joining them are great Irish podcasts like Jarlath Regan's and Irishmen Abroad, the women's podcast, Dublin, What's the Story Pod with This Feels Terrible. The all-day podcast extravaganza is an all-day event including Fair Game, The Sunday Sermon, Stoneface Film Podcasts, Inside Politics and Potterooly, with wonderful Headstuff Podcast Network pods like Personality Bingo, The Alison Spittle Show, Juvenalia, No Encore, Reviewables and With Relish. That's the 19th to the 30th of September. Definitely an event not to be missed. Tickets are available from Ticketmaster and usual outlets. More information on dublinpodcastfestival.ie and headstuff.org. The Dublin Podcast Festival is brought to you by Headstuff and Aiken Promotions. Next, we're going to be talking to Andrew Willis, who is formerly a commodities reporter for Bloomberg News in Colombia. So he would have looked into the coffee industry quite a bit when he was working there. He's moved back to Ireland since and is setting up his own roaster in the west of Ireland. Welcome to With Relish. Thank you very much. We, I suppose, are interested to get a sense of the big picture when it comes to coffee. Um, Irish people drink tons of coffee, but don't think a huge amount maybe about where it comes from or the supply chain or how it's produced. So we're really interested to know a bit more more about coffee as a global commodity, as a cash crop and kind of the ethical considerations around that. Can you tell us a bit about the global coffee market and its importance as an export in Colombia, for example? Well, thank you for having me on the show. Um, Coffee, obviously, is a very key uh, product in South America. Uh, The world's top producer is Brazil and the number three producer is Colombia, where I lived Mm. for four years. Um, not much of the coffee is necessarily roasted in those countries, but they do export huge volumes to the United States and to Europe where it's then roasted uh, and ends up in our, our morning cup of coffee. But uh, in countries like Colombia, for example, it's the top agricultural export um, and thousands of families depend on it mm-hmm. for their livelihood. Um, many of those farmers are living in very out-of-the-reach areas, um, areas that may have been or continue to be affected by um, violence. And so, you know, to a certain extent, coffee does give them a chance to to grow a product um, and get it to market in fairly inhospitable areas. So it, it's very important for Colombia. And obviously, we, you know, in Europe can enjoy the benefits of that. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a bit about, like, when the crop fails or is affected by blight or say the global price plummets for some reason what's the impact on people people's lives in that in that scenario yeah well the the impact can be sort of devastating because um these farmers um have a long lead-in period so coffee trees typically don't start producing until the third or fourth year of their life um uh so they really invested in the trees um they look after them they have to hire people to pick their coffee cherries um, and they don't necessarily know what price they're ultimately going to get. Yeah. Uh, that's dependent on the, the Arabica coffee price, which is set in New York, and then uh, countries that are deemed to have a good quality coffee, like Colombia, for instance, they'll get a sort of bonus on top of that price, which is set in New York. But sometimes the final price can actually be below the cost of production. So it's, yeah. it's like um, farmers anywhere you are subject to the vagaries of the market. And if you have to sell uh, at prices below the cost of production, then 
you know, ultimately that's not sustainable and you can you can go bankrupt or worse. Andrew, did you visit many coffee farms or plantations when you were in Colombia? And can you tell us a bit about kind of the working conditions and, you know, what's the typical day in the life of a coffee farmer or a plantation worker, like maybe a casual worker, if you have any kind of insight into that? Yeah, I can indeed. Um, I visited uh, dozens of coffee farms in Colombia. Um, I guess one thing which distinguishes them from some of the big coffee farms in Brazil mm. is that in Colombia they remain, for the most part, an acre or even less in size. So they really are sort of humble producers. Yeah, well. uh, and the, these farms are frequently located on very steep hillsides. So whereas in Brazil you have a mechanized collecting of the coffee cherries in Colombia, it's still done by hand, which is excellent in terms that you can, you know, you harvest the most ripe uh, cherries, which produces a better quality coffee. But at the same time, it's incredibly laborious. um, And they're sort of, these cherries are collected and then transported uh, using mules. So it's very sort of artisanal in many ways. And uh, the the families who who are living off this are are very humble um, and, you know, a million miles away from the sort of uh, third wave coffee movements in Seattle and Dublin. Uh, where we're all enjoying sort of interesting espressos and so on. So it's it's, it's very different. Uh, obviously, the the key uh, initial step in the whole production chain. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. I have to say, I didn't realise that most coffee is still produced by people using mules for transport in Colombia. That's certainly, I think, you know, when you've got those the very small, awkward to reach farms, it's the same with a lot of wine production as well. Mm. Whereby, if you're working, if you're going in places whereby the soil is not ideal or your conditions are not ideal, it's not that it can't develop to a certain point, but it's just like this the, the, the old way, the yeah. old way of doing it is still the best way. And I suppose there's kind of a romantic. I mean, we can For you us. Can, <laughs> we can be romantic about it <laughs> yeah. on our side. I think you yeah. know, it's like God, isn't the Colombian coffee you know fascinating? But I'm sure. Yeah, lovely old methods being used and so on. But like what you're describing is very intensive physical labour and yeah. probably very, very long hours and probably very insecure work. In your experience, Andrew, you know, were, were the farm owners hiring people in as seasonal workers to harvest? Does that leave people in a precarious enough kind of uh, economic situation or, you know, what's what's the situation there? Yeah, so on, on the smaller farms, you know, something maybe for half an acre and, and down, um, then frequently it's just family members who are mm. collecting the harvest. Um, the harvest typically is in March or October, depending on which part of Colombia you're in. And if you have that sort of acreage, then you know the members of the family and maybe neighbours can collect all the cherries. Uh, once you start getting a bit bigger than that, then obviously you're hiring in people to do it. And um, actually, Colombia is facing a sort of crisis at the moment regarding that because it's developing, building all these roads, badly needed roads throughout the country. And so a lot of this labor force is migrating oh. to building the roads and away from picking the the coffee cherries. And so farmers are finding that when it comes to harvesting uh, moment, they can't get anyone to harvest the cherries. And so they're falling and rotting on the ground. Oh, wow, okay. And that has all kinds of implications for pests and disease. Um, But just just focusing on those pickers themselves, I mean, they are um, in a very precarious situation. They earn below the minimum wage in Colombia. They have next to no rights whatsoever. Mm. The ones that I interviewed and met um, were treated well, but I'm sure there are instances, I've heard of instances where they're not treated that well. So it's, you know, obviously it's totally understandable that they're migrating away to a new 
to more secure work. work. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Andrew, do you have any insights into kind of fair trade? Is it something if consumers are concerned about, um, you know, the ethical implications of the coffee that they're drinking? What's the best way to know that maybe your coffee came from a sort of an ethical source? Broadly speaking, um, I'm, I'm a supporter of the fair trade label um, and organic labels, but it was just interesting speaking to some coffee growers um, that I met in Colombia, how you know many of them can't afford the certification yeah. processes that are linked um, to these labels. And so um, uh, while you know us on the other side of the world buying products with these labels, is probably a good thing. It's worth bearing in mind that there are many organic producers uh, who just can't afford the organic certification. Um, uh, so, so that's something to take in mind. Um, and then equally, there are coffee roasters, so buyers of coffee, who don't have the fair trade label but are paying a premium to the coffee to coffee grower. And so, you know, that's obviously a good thing. This roaster has gone to the farm tried the coffee decided they like it and they said look we'll pay you an extra 30 cents on the pound for your coffee because we think it's really good um that's fantastic i think that's the way the sector is moving and and needs to move further because that farmer is being rewarded for his good production methods um but there may not be a fair trade label there um um, on that particular on that particular coffee. Is there any other way apart from fair trade mm. that we can know about the qualities in which the, the the situations in which that coffee was grown? Yeah, I mean, as I say, I, I I'm certainly not against fair trade, mm. um, but um, obviously, the more transparent a roaster is, and the more information that they provide on their website, and the more research we as consumers can do, then then the better. If they say that they have some direct dealings with the farmer or they are you know, buying from an importer, but the importer has provided them with the information, then that level of transparency would tend to suggest that they are in contact with the farmer, that yeah. they are probably paying a premium. They're going to the effort of telling uh, this person's story. And so you know, we can probably reasonably assume uh, that that farmer is being rewarded for their work. When it's less transparent um, and you just, you know, you're just getting your coffee without any information at yeah. all, then obviously um, we don't really know what's going on. Yeah. I know that uh, small roasters are, well, not even necessarily small roasters, but 3FE and The Barn and also Coffee Collective, there are kind of, you know, companies that I've spoken to through work and things like that, and they know the characters growing these the farmers individually they know, you know? The people themselves, they know yeah. their situations they know <clears throat> you know what the harvest was like for them last year or what trouble troubles are going on in their village right now that means that like this this is a yeah. particularly valuable one for them to get them through um so i i think that's what to look out for people who can actually tell the story of the tell grower. the story of the yeah. growers i think that's okay. a yeah, really nice thing uh speaking of which andrew you are setting up a roastery in sligo is that right that's right uh still in the the early stages yeah. but um i been working as a journalist uh, for the past 10 years and many of those years were in coffee producing countries Brazil and Colombia um, and so I just became very enthusiastic mm. about coffee and recently moved back to Ireland and you know I'd like to continue my my uh, role in in the coffee um, cycle not covering it but uh, or even growing it because that's obviously impossible in Ireland but yeah. <laughs> but uh, but roasting it so that's the the, the idea and um 
still in the very early stages, but uh, it's interesting that uh, Sligo, where I'm based, has an incredible cafe culture. You know, obviously it's not quite as developed as Dublin's, but it really has a thriving cafe scene. And so um, hopefully we'll be able to supply some of those cafes in the future. And have we a name yet that we should be looking out for sometime in the future? Unfortunately, uh, there's no name yet. Uh, I kept a, a blog in uh, in Colombia while, while I was there, which was called zippacoffee.com. Uh, but the, the name of the roastery has yet to be decided. But um, hopefully we should be able to, to share that with you in a month or two. OK, we'll d- make sure to flag it when it comes about. Yeah. Um, I kind of love the idea of reporting on something for a long time and then becoming so fascinated by it that you decide to be part of the production yourself. It's, it's a really good story. And Andrew, we wish you all the best. Thank you very much and thanks we'll, for having me on the show. No yeah, worries, we'll check plan. in again soon to see how you're getting on and we'll make sure to tell our listeners about your roastery once it's up and running. Fantastic, look forward to it. Continuing our look into the coffee industry, we're delighted to be joined by Torin Coughlin of Two Boys Brew in Fibsborough. With some big changes on the way, Torin's going to fill us in on their story so far and what's yet to come. Torin, thanks for joining us on with Relish this morning. Um, before we get into the coffee side of things, though, can you tell us a bit about your food menu development? I've eaten quite a bit from it and I like it a lot. Definitely. I love that the beef okay. cheek sambo. Yeah, that's it's gone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's no, really well, nice. Did it sell well? I yeah, like amazing. Did you yeah. try the eggs benedict? No, I no, never that order was, eggs out because I yeah. cook, cook eggs for your yeah, life. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was filthy. Yeah. It was yeah. like literally you had this and then you were like, yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> we ended up fast. <laughs> so we took that off. No, we didn't take it off. We we, we said like coming into summer it would change, yeah, it. and then yeah, we yeah. did this like sweet potato rosti with halloumi and I've bits had that. like that. Yeah. So we we put that. We've taken that off now. Um, we luckily didn't lose too many staff. Um, and the, and menus change, and you know restaurants yeah. and cafes develop and grow, and yeah. there's a whole series there. It's just this mm. one was forced to do so at an unexpected rate yeah. but it's good for the first time actually you know, the menu like we, we kind of went through it over the last couple of days and I'm like really excited about it I'm like oh, for the first time I'm like oh this is kind of Where like the whole thing kind of feels like the most representative menu okay. of what, what I would want and yeah. is your background yeah. in coffee or food so basically my background is I used to work in magazines so me and Kevin moved to London like 10 12, 12 years ago mm-hmm. And I did a year at Marie Claire, and then he was in building surveying, and then we came back, and then I worked for a magazine here, and then he worked in building surveying, and then we did that for a little while, and then the recession happened, and then I ended up going to work at Eastern Seaboard in Drada, if you know that one. Nope. No. <laughs> you need to go there. That's my favorite, probably favorite restaurant. Oh, I see. No. I don't know it. No. I started working there nearly ten years. Well, no, nine years ago, maybe. And uh, that was like the first time that I really kind of thought about wanting my own place. Okay. But then we ended up moving to Melbourne and we were there for four years. Which is like the home like of the third wave coffee. That's where yeah, it's amazing. It's so much of the coffee yeah. cafe capital. But world. at that point, yeah. like I, I went there and I was I was the venti caramel skinny macchiato. Yeah. Horrible. Get out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I remember. Yeah. I, that, that's all I knew. You know, yeah. for even yeah. living in London, like there was no real, at that time, there was no kind of real there push. still isn't. Yeah. London is still Costa and East mm. and what's the one, Pret and things like that. But yeah. I find over, mm-hmm. the, over there that there's a, it's hard to find. I can get down with Pret filter coffee. It's Have you been nice. to Caravan? Caravan. In King's Cross. No, I haven't. Yeah. So if yeah. I could. Ha- 
Yeah, it's like this big, massive yeah. warehouse. Mm. It's the most amazing oh, I space. Have been there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I have been. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. Little memory yeah. Boom. Yeah. That's that's. If I could lift that and put it somewhere in Dublin, I'd mm. be like, that's like the dream. Like if yeah. we were to do something else, I'd be yeah. that. That's what I'd love to do. Because what about it is the dream? What about like yeah. what do I love? I love the space. Yeah, yeah. it's like a big, beautiful industrial sheet yeah, space with thing, a, yeah. there's fountains and things out front. Yeah, and it's all quite yeah. I don't know, like Berlin in the 1980s or something. There's something like kind of like Soviet scale about mm. Yes, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. I just love the space. I love when you walk in how how like how vast it is. You've got and just the fit out. There's nothing that gets us more excited than a, a great fit out. A good old fit out. Yeah, I love a fit out. Like I love, <laughs> love I love a tap, love, uh, a bench. Yeah, but it's got like for me love everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, these things get me so excited. Like yeah. we literally walked in there, and and we're both the same kind of people. Like our pastime, like I, our pastime is eating and drinking coffee and going to different cafes yeah. and. Um, like Melbourne was amazing. So started off there and I was drinking like Starbucks like there was no tomorrow. And then I, I started working in this media company and one of the directors was sitting like not too far away from me and he was like, what the fuck are you drinking? And I was like, oh, this is Starbucks. And he was like, yeah, I know oh. what it is, but like, what are <laughs> you drinking? <laughs> he was like, no, 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 we can't have you drinking that. So he ended up like bringing me out and he brought me to like this coffee shop down the road and there was like a little hatch. It was called Switchboard. A tiny little, I'd say it's the size of this desk which like is very small space. listeners really yeah. small we're talking about a meter square <laughs> yeah it? it's really small it's like under like a under, like a, staircase. under a staircase yeah, yeah. like yeah. literally tiny yeah. and they made amazing coffee and sandwiches and like it was ridiculously yeah. small and then it was you know he gave me a list and he was like you need to try this and this and it's harder to find a bad coffee in Melbourne than it is to find a good coffee yeah. that's nice and it's that hatch switchboard yeah. where that was the, the, the that light was kind of the first yeah. one yeah. and then he was like you need to try this place and try that place and it, it was kind of like a new world was opening up the yeah. more that you delve into coffee as well I think uh, you know every time I learn something new about coffee I realise I know nothing about yeah, coffee yeah, yeah, you yeah. know it's just such a it's like it's a, a wormhole of information that you can yeah. go down to and romance and there's like great stories of like different growth Mm-hmm. and buyers buying things when they're green and ready and and, yeah. and and then it all comes down to roasting at the very end it's just like mm-hmm. the whole process the whole way through is like as complex and as interesting yeah. as winemaking yeah it is it for is sure. my favourite part of it is like we've got amazing people working for us that love coffee and they're really passionate about where coffee comes from and how like it's processed and, and that whole kind of behind the scenes story whereas my love affair is like spaces and, and coffee shops and um it's the hospitality end of it. Yeah, it's creating the whole experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And I lo- yeah. and I loved that about Melbourne. We had both had full time jobs, but our spare time was li- literally going to coffee shops. So like, you'd wake up early in the morning, and everything opens at like five o'clock, five half five, six o'clock over there. That's the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't approve of that at all. Yeah. I was like bang, like up at five thirty every morning. Jesus you know, God. like clothes ready to go out the door into a coffee shop with like nothing excites me more than like a stack of magazines okay. or yeah. a book and yeah. going to a coffee shop and just like soaking up the hustle and the bustle yeah. And, yeah. The, and and every cafe like was always jam-packed like in the morning time it's a ritual over there five in the not half five I might have been they all one go of for the runs and stuff before work yeah. it's not the same as here it's no yeah. they'd all be <laughs> running in with their like lululemon and their you know all their like skins and stuff like that and it's that whole kind of lifestyle it's a I'm feeling yeah. like, so cynical right now yeah yeah like, God. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. It was so inspiring. But yeah. I do get that. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just not a part of the way that I live my life here. No, um, me neither. But and I don't, I don't think any no. time it but would it make is, me but live I, my life that way, to be honest. But, but I would like to yeah. do all that stuff at midday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I suppose in opening Two Boys Brew, was yeah. that an opportunity for you to kind of 
transfer that that sensation that you had when you're down to there you. soaking up magazines and people in tiny tiny shorts running around yeah. the place and, and then, beautiful decor and then create that in the North Circular Road yeah it was it was <laughs> it, it was I, I I had a lot of <laughs> I say homesickness when we moved back like mm. we, I want like we both wanted to move back but I was so kind of like I think after six months I was like begging my old boss to, to take me back and you know like in Melbourne, in Melbourne. yeah and okay. that and that contract was dangled in front of yeah, like, yeah. me and was like here okay. you go and then it was the two of us like literally at the last minute were like what do we want and it was like we want to do a cafe yeah so we ended up like you know I ended up turning that down and then we spent like a good year and a half planning you know we knew what we wanted we had like a vision board a massive vision board mm. in our apartment where all you know everything that we wanted the cafe to be but it was fine in the space. Yeah. So we couldn't, like, it was so hard to find the right space in Dublin. Like, it, there was not many great spaces available. No. Like, there was one that we came across that we really liked. And it was actually, it's across from actually two pups. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, that, it yeah. was uh, yeah. I think it's called Kokuno. Yeah. We walked by it one time and we were like, wow, the outside is amazing. But the, the space itself didn't work. Anyway, the guy had a heart attack. And he, his daughter took over and she didn't want to rent it out yeah, to, okay. uh, to a cafe because it literally was a shell and it okay. would have taken so much work. Yeah. And now when we look back, we go, God, like it wasn't the right space. You would have been in the cluster, in the cluster of, of nice cafes yeah. anyway. Is, and it's um, really nice. Is it Mead Street or Francis Street? That's Francis, Francis, Francis Street. Francis Street, yes. Yeah. This is Francis Street in Dublin 8 for anybody who doesn't know about Two Pups. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a place that's infiltrated with very good quality yeah. uh, cafes. And I think that the North Circular Road was a really was good crying yeah. 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 No, but sure. it was. And literally, it was like Kevin showed me this building and it was bright red and it Woo. was called Just Chicken and yeah, it was girl. in Fibsborough. And I was like... No, yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and he was Hang like, on, just chicken. It was called just chicken. It had crispy as cluck out the front. Jesus, and it was. I remember it. Yeah. yeah, you have to understand. Like we were away for so long that we thought, right, the product that we wanted to bring was this kind of Melbourne style, really nice cafe, and we thought while we were living away, oh, where's this going to work? Anyway, eventually we f- saw this place, and Kevin persuaded me, come on, we go and see it one night, and we saw it. And immediately, I just, my gut was like, oh, my God, like, it's hideous. But if we rip down the ceiling and we open up that wall and we take all these disgusting cartoon pictures of chickens yeah. then, and it, it would be amazing. Yeah, like, I immediately, yeah. <laughs> Everyone was like, please keep that. Yeah. Yeah, no. um, we could definitely see Fibsborough yeah, kind of moving sure. that way. So there's a huge influx of you know, young urban professionals, mm-hmm. young families. Yeah. Um, so we just were like... And you're getting them all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they're looking for... Yeah. Going on, yeah. That, that, and there wasn't anything. Yeah. There was Woodstock around the corner. Yeah. But that's been there for 20 years and, and that's got a, a very different clientele yeah. to, to us. Totally. Um, so it just um, felt right. And so, the, so the first year yeah. has been like really successful because it's like mm-hmm. we've only heard brilliant things about it and mm-hmm. you're following it social media's gotten very huge yeah. and I think that so the area was crying out for something like this there was people mm-hmm. in the area who, of Fibs Ren North Circular Road who were kind of dying for a nice cafe yeah. um, with good food and good uh, well sourced coffee but then from what something I hear you guys happened. came across a problem recently oh a problem yeah. tell us um, about the problem so we had just celebrated our birthday, which was amazing. So mm. we were like, oh, we made the first year. Mm. Great. Mm. We haven't killed each other. <laughs> um, 
and we were kind of on that high and then it just we we started coming we had an electrical issue and then that kind of led us to find some plumbing issues well we didn't know there were plumbing issues we just kind of opened up the floor and found some leaks yeah and it was just like a mess underneath which was great fun mm. and it was kind of like we thought okay we're going to be closed maybe like three or four days it'd be fine and then like two months well this is like t- today is like week eight Whoa. so okay yeah it's been mad it's so like so hard for a new business mm, so yeah. hard like i mean because and we've hit that milestone of a year and you feel year. like wow we are off the ground yeah. we're comfortable with how it's going we're feeling everything like we talked well. about was yeah. like yeah year two it's going to be a breeze and we're going to yeah. be able to buy this and buy that and yeah, yeah. the two of us like we're not jumping around like crazy lunatics but we're really positive people so yeah it would break you. It mm-hmm. would really, it, it could it, it could have broken us, but thankfully, like we're the type of people that, you know, it's stuff that you can't change. So what's mm-hmm. the point of dwelling on it? Like we just kind of were like, okay, what can we do that, you know, can. So it was a case of problems just getting bigger and bigger. So if you opened mm. up the floor and you saw that there was problems with the pipes and there was leaks, yeah. then is it the case that? Well, underneath the floor, like literally had become flooded. Whoa. Okay. Um, it was insane. It was like we had to open up several parts of like the kitchen, the area where we have like a big high bench at the yeah. end of our coffee bar. We had yeah. to like take that away and we had to like open that whole thing up. And yeah, it was insane. Like we had to get like a whole crew in to, to kind of like... To get you guys back up and going. To to, to get the the building back to yeah. to what it was. You know, we had to get like structural people in and, and, and stuff like that. So yeah. it was it was mad because everyone's like... 99.9% of people were like amazing like the feedback and the comments and the the people like popping their head in like wishing us the best like that was amazing okay. but like there was one or two people that were like what the fuck you like it doesn't take eight, four weeks to, to fix a pipe you know oh, like you're man. again them kind of things and you're like yeah. it really does <laughs> I'm like <laughs> literally because like we were, we're si- not on holidays here like. yeah like I mean, yeah. and people have been like what did you go on holidays and stuff and you're like no <laughs> I've been sitting in a cafe for like eight weeks yeah. you know doing paperwork but the positive is our paperwork is all up to date, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> our invoicing is, you know, amazing. Yeah. So you think you're yeah. going to reopen this week? This week. Okay. Yeah, I'm confident this week. Great. Yeah. Um, Congratulations. Which is, is amazing. So we're, uh, we've had like a great couple of days. I had all yeah. the team in. They've been Just kind of, thinking, yeah. sorry, this episode is going, well, we're recording this on mm. September the 11th. Yeah. So that's this week. So if anybody's listening in two weeks' time or a week's time when this goes out, it's open. Yeah. 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 This is out today after it opens. This is out today after it opens. <laughs> <laughs> great. great. So <laughs> we opened yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so really excited. We've got, like, as I said, the main team are still there, which is great. So Brilliant. we've been able to kind of, we weren't sure, like, if how it was going to work. You know, we're going to open. Are we going to be, like, you know, down to, like, the two of us so mm. like start you know scratch starting from scratch yeah. essentially it yeah. feels like yeah. we're starting from scratch except we know what we're doing kind of okay now okay. which is good that's tough though a rebrand yeah. bloody hell a baptism yeah, yeah. TV 2.0 you know like a phoenix yeah. from the ashes yeah, yeah. you know do you feel I, energized like after having that the eight uh-huh. weeks obviously you yeah. have most certainly not been sitting around but like do you feel like having that time to I suppose regroup it's do been good because like it's given us the time to do to all have. the stuff that you you have because yeah. literally we opened and we thought okay it's going to take us like 6 to 12 months to kind of really get established and you know try and get people to hear about us yeah. and, and stuff like that but literally with, within the first day we were busy and like it never stopped we were working in the business yeah. 
every day yeah and it was really hard for us to kind of take a step back and work yeah. on the business yeah we're just like ready we're mm. so we were so like we were just at the, like last week we're like so bored of this yeah. like we just can't wait to get back and now with the reopening around the corner or indeed mm. just having um happened <laughs> <laughs> depending on when this goes out yeah. um what way are you approaching it now i know that you guys are working with new coffee roasters right yeah so we um we've always had a guest roaster every month and it was just something that we were really passionate about i know a lot of other cafes do it we always wanted to bring like because we we love traveling and we love like our holidays are based on okay where's the cafes mm. and then the holiday revolves around okay. going to coffee shops and restaurants and stuff like that so we we're like okay where can we go so like we went to munich and there was like an amazing little coffee shop that no one had heard of called man versus machine and we were like okay let's get them in and we had them as our guest roaster and they mm-hmm. were amazing like no one had heard of them it was just amazing. So we've had like these guest roasters every yeah. so often. It's nice and to then work with smaller people as mm-hmm. well and like the personalities behind coffee too, I yeah, think. Yeah, for sure. We get the people that come in and they just want coffee mm-hmm. and they're just like, give me a coffee and, and that's fine. But then you have the people that do come in and they're like, okay, what do you have? Like, yeah. and they really want to know. Like, yeah. We all engage with it in different ways, I think. And on different days, there are times yeah. where I'm like, just give me a cup give of insomnia because I'm walking somewhere yeah. that mm-hmm. I want, don't even want to be. Yeah. And then there are other <laughs> days where I'm like, paying for you to have a filter for myself from just yeah, like yeah. treat yeah, yeah yeah but that's yeah. it like treat and learning you know so we've got two different types of customers um but we had root and branch right at the beginning i think they were like our third guest roaster and people just never stopped talking about them root, okay. and, root, root and, and branch. branch where are they from they're based uh in belfast so it's uh, set up by two guys simon and ben we loved working with them like months ago they were just amazing why were they so amazing what they just they loved like they were just so passionate we could okay. we could kind of see ourselves a little bit in that they were just really passionate about producing really great coffee okay they have a small little roastery on the orma road and their cafe is probably the size of this room so we're talking I keep on doing this sorry four or five <laughs> meters square <laughs> uh, but it's it's beautiful mm-hmm. okay and they uh, they've thought about that yeah. and I love that like that for me t- you I, just, I just got the feeling with them it's in the yeah, yeah. It and just it's just picks. it's just comfortable yeah. space and then they're so warm and then on Sundays they have like these big mad sessions music sessions you know with chairs all over the road and, and will you still be taking yeah. guest roasters or are you now aligned permanently in are you guys well too? steady yeah. no not yet <laughs> no 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 we're uh, total coffee sluts hey. <laughs> uh, for our first month open we're going to work with these guys and we're going to kind of showcase all their coffees um yeah. so i think we have six overall so we're going to have like a blend on the machine then we've got one for filter then one for a batch brew and then we've got a load on retail okay they're a small business and they've grown a lot over they're a year old as well oh, so it's really so nice relationship yeah, yeah. yeah. really good and uh, yeah so they're yeah. really nice and, and I, they're, they're just really nice people to work with yeah. um, so we're excited about that and um, yeah no we're going to definitely keep doing guests it's important for us and I think for the customer as well they love trying new things and you know people's attention is very short these days so whilst they'll get really excited about you know us having a new get uh, a new house roaster they'll want to know what's coming what's and coming they expect next, yeah. it now yeah you know like people really expect us every month to have like something new that you know people haven't had before which can be a little bit challenging but it's not our aim to have something that's never been done before mm. our aim is just to have something really good yeah, yeah. 
that makes the sense. evolution yeah. of a coffee shop as well, I think, is, is to keep working through things. And sometimes mm-hmm. you're working with coffees that aren't perfect. And mm-hmm. I know that in uh, where myself and Eva work, sometimes our barista gets... Um, which so shall say, not be named. Which shall not be named. <laughs> so I'm not saying it to anyone. But it rhymes with Bumbly. Uh, and, um, and Ali, who's the barista there, she sometimes gets frustrated with a coffee that is not as spectacular as it could be. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And she, she then sees that as a challenge on her part to make this coffee more than what it has to come to her as. Yeah. To dry, yeah. to, to maximize that yeah. flavor from that coffee. Yeah. And so I think it's part of her exercise and part of, part of like the joys of working with coffees that it's not a static product and that as you're coming yeah. through and yeah. you're moving through things and I think it's customers appreciate that as well Yeah, hopefully some of them yeah, yeah like some of them say, do some yeah. are like give me the caffeine and others are probably fascinated yeah. by the story that mm-hmm. Ali can tell about how she's drawn something you know yeah. special out of something that she that spends you know, the first 40 minutes out. before we open up she's like, amazing dr- to watch dr- yeah, yeah. drawing up coffee in a little syringe yeah syringe yeah. and she's putting it into a machine and she's tasting the salts and she's taking the levels of things and she's like just really methodically going through the yeah. whole system before she sets until up the day. she is satisfied until with she's it. got yeah. a recipe a recipe and she's dialed in and then yeah. boom the yeah. day is ready to go yeah that's and like our guy we've got like two amazing baristas Owen and Sean and they're the same they yeah. like they're so mad into it and passionate yeah. about it and they have all their gizmos and their gadgets yeah like watching a chemist at work or kind of yeah, a yes. scientist just like trying to crack a code you know yeah. it's really yeah, that really is great. What and, 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 yeah. and you do you hope that people do appreciate that yeah. work that goes into it yeah. and it's not just coffee but I think Irish people are still very much and you know Irish and British and mm-hmm. probably lots of European people are still kind of just waking up to the fact that it is a very complex product that can be absolutely awful yeah. or can be spectacular mm-hmm. if you pay the attention I think it, we've been deserves, yeah know. I think we've been sp- not spoiled yeah maybe spoiled is the right word in having such cheap coffee mm-hmm. around for so long yeah. so the likes of you know four do- doors down the road we've got an insomnia machine which does like coffee ridiculously cheap yeah and people have just have that kind of bar set now that yeah. that's how much a coffee should cost yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. and it's crazy like coffee is so expensive yeah so expensive more expensive than uh, gold a, yeah like it's I think <laughs> it's like the second most expensive commodity in the world mm. at the moment and people don't realise that so they're like what I'm paying like three yeah something plus it's the for. same with food it's the same with alcohol yeah. it's the same with kind of everything people, that when, you, when you can there's a base level that people when can large companies yeah. can streamline it in such a way yeah. that makes you get and produce it in a really crappy way and to you make get it used cheap. to it at a certain level yeah, then for sure. but I think I don't know I think the coffee scene in Dublin anyway is grown to such a level that mm. people are feeling okay about yeah. that feeling okay about spending a bit of money on yeah. feeding themselves sometimes no definitely yeah, yeah. yeah. Taryn it has been absolutely fantastic having you on Thank and you we wish much. you all the best and we know that like it sounds like the attitude you guys have and the model you have and everything is just going to mean that you take off again and everything will be well hopefully yeah no for sure no fingers yeah. crossed no, no it will yeah. <laughs> yes it will yeah we are very very it's already open <laughs> it has exactly. done already yeah. 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 we had a great first day yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah um, great Torin thanks a million for coming on thank you Thank you for listening into this episode of With Relish. We would like to thank all our guests for taking time out to come on with us. As mentioned at the beginning of the show, we are a fortnightly podcast, so make sure to check out headstuff.org for our next show. You can download the show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the usuals. If you like what you've heard, please let us know by writing us a review or following our Twitter page at With Relish Pod. HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details.